No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that as Moses prepares the children of Israel to cross over into Canaan, he continues to remind them of miscellaneous laws. We also see a picture of Jesus. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 21 on Simply the Bible. So many things to cover and so little time. Surely that must have been what Moses was thinking as he reminded the people of the laws of God before he would be gathered to his fathers. We pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of his city. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now anyone who has children knows that at times they are stubborn and rebellious. They don't always obey their parents. But this describes an especially defiant son who, even after being disciplined, would not heed his father and mother. And there was nothing more they could really do. He continued to be a glutton and a drunkard. There was no excuse that this was only a phase or hormonal or that he was just simply misunderstood. Such rebellious defiance was not to be tolerated in Israel. And it was the parents' responsibility to take their son to the elders of the community. They would bring the charge that their son was stubborn, rebellious, disobedient, a glutton, and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city would stone him to death. This would eliminate such evil from among them and be an example to others that such behavior was not tolerated. The fact that the entire community was involved showed that it was society's responsibility to put away such evil from among them. Now, that seems pretty harsh to us. And Jesus told us the parable of the prodigal son. He was stubborn and rebellious. He took his inheritance and left town. According to the law, if he ever returned, then he deserved to be stoned to death. So imagine how shocked Jesus' listeners must have been when Jesus said, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Rather than killing his son, as the law demanded, the father kissed him and killed the fatted calf, and then called for a great celebration. Why? Because his lost son had been found. This is the difference between being under the law versus being under grace. The law brings the curse of death, but grace brings forgiveness and life. Aren't you glad you're under grace? Verse 22, if a man has committed a son deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, 
His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. We have already seen that there were many sins under the law that required capital punishment. Stoning was the method of execution. However, if someone had committed a particularly heinous crime, then they could hang the body on a tree after the person had been stoned to death. This would serve as an example to others never to do such a thing. But they weren't to permit the body to remain on the tree overnight, because if they did, then they would defile the land. The Lord himself walked in the midst of their camp, and if he saw any unclean thing, then he would turn away from them. The one who was hanged was accursed of God. It wasn't so much that they were cursed because they were hanged, but their hanging proved that they were under God's curse for what they had done. Now, all of this points to Jesus Christ. For the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, every one of us was under the curse of the law because we have all broken God's law. Since the wages of sin is death, we were accursed. But when Jesus hung on the cross, he became a curse for us. God took the curse that was due us and put it on Christ. He was separated from God so that we could be reconciled to God. How amazing is his grace. Now we come to sins of omission regarding our neighbor. You see, it's not only doing something wrong that constitutes sin. We can sin by neglecting to do what is right. That's what James says. He said, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Certainly, we're all convicted by that. Chapter 22. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. You shall certainly bring them back to your brother. And if your brother is not near you, or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it to your own house, and it shall remain with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. You shall do the same with his donkey, and so shall you do with his garment, with any lost thing of your brother's which he has lost and you have found, you shall do likewise. You shall not hide yourself. In their agrarian culture, it was no doubt common for livestock to wander off. If they saw their neighbor's wandering animal, then they weren't to hide themselves, pretending like they didn't see it, or simply not wanting to get involved. In our culture, people often hide themselves in their own space. They close their garage doors. They don't want to get involved with their neighbors. But that is wrong. It certainly isn't loving your neighbor as yourself. Because if that were your animal strain, then you would want it returned to you. I grew up hearing the saying, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. But that isn't the word of God. If you find something that your neighbor has lost, even if it is only an article of clothing or something else, then you are to make every effort to restore it to him. Verse 4. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fall down along the road and hide yourself from them. You shall surely help him lift them up again. 
So if your neighbor is in trouble in some way, then you are to help him. If their animal falls down, then you are to help it up. Again, Moses tells them not to hide themselves from their neighbor's need. Last August, we had a severe windstorm that knocked down one of our trees in the corner of our backyard. The branches hung over the fence of two of my neighbor's yards. I was so thankful that they both offered to get out their chainsaws and help me cut it all down. It's simply a good neighbor policy to look after one another in need. Verse 5, A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, some people have used this to say that a woman shouldn't wear pants. But that really isn't the point. God is prohibiting transvestism. That is, women seeking to be men and men seeking to be women. Such behavioral tendencies are often associated with homosexuality. God calls such behavior an abomination. Of course, in our culture, this is advanced beyond merely wearing clothing to taking hormones, and even being surgically altered to be more like the opposite sex. We must remember that in the beginning, God created them male and female. A person's gender identity is in the DNA, and this cannot be altered. God designed each of us to be either male or female. It is his most basic gift and calling to us, and his gifts and calling are irrevocable. Now, tragically, many people think that they are trapped in the wrong body and they would be happier to make a gender transition. But this is not true. The happiest people are really those who know who God has created them to be and then glorify God in their body, spirit, gift, and calling. When our society caters to such abnormal behavior, it harms us rather than helps us. Because Proverbs 14.34 tells us that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Verse 6. If a bird's nest happens to be before you along the way in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs, with the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall surely let the mother go and take the young for yourself, that it may be well with you and that you may prolong your days. God cares about his creatures. And God said, look, you can take the eggs. Go ahead, eat them. They're yours. But let the mother go. Let the mother go and fly away and she'll make some more eggs on another day. You know, God said, if you do this, then you will prolong your days. When you build a new house, Then you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring guilt of bloodshed on your household if anyone falls from it. Now the roof of their homes was an extra living space. It was sort of like your patio and people would go up there in the evening in the cool of the day and just relax. So if you have people come over and they brought their children, then somebody could fall off and get hurt. So God said you need to make a railing around your roof to protect those people. Charles Spurgeon pointed out that just as their roofs had railings, so there are spiritual railings for our protection. Regarding sin, many people get too close to the edge and then fall off. Then it's too late. 
we need to put up those railings to protect us from the edge. That is, we need to put up those boundaries to keep us from falling into temptation. Verse 9, You shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest the yield of the seed which you have sown and the fruit of your vineyard be defiled. So God, in the beginning, he separated light from darkness. He also made the plants and seeds to bring forth more plants after their own kind. We see that this mixture of different kinds of things actually brings defilement. Likewise, he said, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Your animals shouldn't be unequally yoked. It's just going to cause you problems. They'll probably just go around in circles. You shall not wear a garment of different sorts, such as wool or linen mixed together. The different materials would shrink at a different rate and you'd have a twisted garment. You shall make tassels on the four corners of the clothing with which you cover yourself. Now we saw earlier in the law that these tassels were actually blue, the color of heaven, and they were a reminder that they were God's covenant people and under his laws. Sort of like we would wear a wedding ring as a reminder of the covenant we've made with our spouse. We also are God's covenant people, and we are to submit to his commandments. But understand that every commandment God gives to us is to protect us from harm or to provide for us that which is good. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. God joined man and woman together as one flesh. He ordained sexual relations as an expression of this unity. But taken out of this context, sex can be a destructive power. Tomorrow we'll look at the rules to govern sexual intimacy. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible.